Uh, Bill, we've already started recording and we're all still here. Where's my music? Where's oh, my intro? Hold on. Like I told you, I'm on a different computer and, and everything isn't all set right. up quite the same. Here we go. <laughs> we're all... <laughs> sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Loved watching Seth dance there for the opening <laughs> intro. Uh, hello and welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Seth. I'm Jenna. I'm Chris. And uh, today, uh, in in light of the uh, Dune uh, sequel about to hit theaters, uh, we thought we'd uh, step back and take a look at uh, some older incarnations of Dune, um, the the series and. Uh, and uh, the, I think the original Dune movie too, right? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, who wants to uh, kind of kick off the discussion here? Do Where I do we want to start? The series or the older film? Let's start with the older film. Like yeah. That sounds yeah. good. I think that one, in, in my opinion, um, so the older film actually is pretty, uh, for me, it's my first Dune uh experience i'll say even before the book so the, the person up on the screen now for those of you watching that's that's paul atreides um you know son of the the duke and and kind of the main uh character of this um book series and um film so paul has been uh had to accompany his father across the uh universe to go uh, run operation, so to speak, on this planet called Dune. And, uh, you know, there they mine spice, and the saying goes, uh, those who control the spice control the universe. Um, so uh, there's, a, there's a prophecy uh, about a person who will come, uh, I believe, the Quizex Hatterak. Quizot uh, Hatterak. Yep. And uh, basically um, wreck some shit for people who are trying to control this space and He's kind of like this this ultimate powerful dude, uh, completely intertwined with the planet, the the spice, the worms, and all that kind of stuff. But um, Dune kind of covers this young man's journey. Uh, I think it covers uh, at least a couple or a few years um, from when they land on the planet in Paul's several, kind of yeah, yeah, several years. Because there's a when they arrive, there's kind of a war going on between uh, different factions, if you will, in, in the political universe. Um, so uh, this covers Paul's growth in there and, and how he rises up to basically rule the planet, so to speak. So, uh, but yeah, that's my first foray into Dune before I got into the books. Uh, lots of wonderful actors in here. Um, Sting. And, uh, yep. As uh, Fade Ruatha. 
or yeah. Uh, yeah. So he plays a, a ruthless uh, killer combatant. Um, the Duke's nephew. Yep. And so there's a cool. Um, the movie only covers so much of all of the ties between the family members and, and the different factions and stuff, because obviously you have to cram this into like a two hour film. Uh, but the book does so much of a better job of world building here and covering all the different little things. But again, for your first foray in a film, this one was pretty epic. So for me, I've seen this film maybe 15, 20 times. I've seen it a lot. Yeah, um, this is probably yeah. one of the ugliest. Uh, the, the Baron, uh, right? Baron. Baron Harkonnen. Uh, yeah, he is probably the ugliest uh, bad guy. Uh, you will see; it's pretty gross in this film. Um, but he's also pretty sinister in, in who he is too. So he's a pretty cool bad guy. He's just kind of disgusting, you know. Um, like, yeah. Full yeah. out. Uh, I think it's important. To take a moment, because what I think the miniseries does better than the original film, although I love the original film, is explain that the Kwisak Satarak is a Bene Gesserit goal. It's mm -hmm. specifically someone that they're breeding for who can do all calculations. But yep. the, the mythology on Dune itself is a plant from the Bene Gesserit's to make sure that if any of them ever get stuck there as a part of their breeding program to continue to be protected, this uh, Mahdi figure, this Messiah figure, it's not something that the, that the Dune people came up with. It's what the Bene Gesserit's planted as a part of a potential lever of control if they had to. Yeah. And I think the miniseries does a better job explaining that than the original movie. And I think part that, of that, that is the format of it, right? In a miniseries, right. you have time to tell that story and watch it play out and, and let that kind of develop. Whereas in a movie, you're like, all right, so there's this guy, it's going to be this, this Quizzes Tatarak, and uh, it ends up being Paul. The Bene Gesserit aren't very happy about it, you know, and, and all those other things that happen. And it's like, all right, we got to get to A to B. Whereas in the series, it's like, we can play this out. We can actually get into the detail. Um, so I still think mm -hmm. the film did an okay job at a high level, but you're right. There is a lot that goes into the Bene Gesserits and, and what their history is and kind of where their place is in the universe. And and uh, the film doesn't do a very good job of that as far as the, the full history of the Harkonnens, um, Paul Atreides' family and, and what their history is. Uh, the, uh, the, the, oh my God, I forgot the uh, people who live on Dune, what they call them. The uh the Fremen, yes. The Fremen and their history, how they came to be. Um, a lot of that is covered in, in other either series or the books themselves. So, But for a movie, for getting through it, it does a really good job for being in the universe of Dune and kind of covering everything at a high level to get you through. And it's pretty much understandable. But the so, lore is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So the, like one of the thing, things about Dune and what the movie adaptations have to do is that uh, the setting for Dune is so complex and just filled with history. Like, the reason that uh, Brian Herbert is able to write all these prequel novels for Dune is because he's got all this back work that his dad, Frank Herbert, did to write these novels. And, like, mm. each uh, in each of the 
what they didn't have time for in the 1984 Dune is any of that complex world building. Like, you got two hours. Okay, here's the weirding way. The weirding way is shouting into a device. Like, they had to make some weird compromises uh, given that, like, the setting is so complex and rich. Like, uh, out of all my novels, out of all the books I've read, this is, like, one of my favorites for complex political machinations. Like, get out of the way, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, like the people who've been who are moving in chess pieces in Dune have been doing so for like ten thousand years. And the book, mm-hmm. yeah, the books continue along that. This isn't like a, a fifty or a yeah. hundred year kind of thing. To Seth's point, it's thousands of years to the extent where even Paul isn't necessarily as you go further in the novels, even the the center point of what's going on. Um, it, it, the series starts with him, but then it starts to build out into this world that it's a lot bigger than Paul himself. Yeah, so. uh, but yeah, the Bene Gesserit uh, that don't get much. They they get everyone kind of gets short shrift in the nineteen eighty four one. Yeah, uh, and what they don't really focus on in the miniseries either are Mentats. And like that's because they had to cut out so much of why Mentats are important. Uh, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. yeah, as Gurney, the master of weapons. Yeah, Loved that's, it. that's something the 1984 version definitely has, is Patrick Stewart as Gurney Halleck. And... I mean, the, the star-studded cast was great in the 84 version. I mean, uh-huh. what they were able to do, I mean, they couldn't dwell as much on this important message that Frank Herbert was interested in, which is don't don't rely blindly on heroes and like be able to make your own decisions because if you don't, the, the wave of control and chaos that can ensue because you aren't trusting your own mind is, can be insane and deadly, but they create this sci-fi epic that makes you love storytelling in the sci-fi world and all sure. of these like because you you get everything with the 84 version it's the music the acting was really great the so the everything did the music for 19 the 1984 dune and i still fucking love it yeah mm-hmm. it was it was really great it was a um you know one of those iconic ones that will go with people for a long time to come um, and it just seemed to fit. It was it was almost kind of perfect. Um, it was a it was a, a score that kind of painted a good picture of uh, the planet, its vastness, and everything like that. It was pretty. It was pretty cool. It's, um, yeah, they 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 did a really good like epic kind of nineteen eighties type music. Yeah, it's interestingly great. enough. You know, we you know we we wanted to talk about some comparisons. I I'm one who who who. It's pretty well attuned to any series and, and the, the scores and, and the music that goes along with it. I can't retain anything from the sci-fi version. And I don't know if that's because it just wasn't that memorable or what the deal is, but I cannot remember any notable score <laughs> from the from the sci-fi series. I, I was actually thinking about that while re-watching it last night. And yeah, the music is fairly unremarkable. I don't think that they had uh, much in the way of budget for it. <laughs> Which is fair. I mean, their their goal wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was supposed to be a big feature film. It was just a series, so they focused on 
how much of the content they'd get in there and everything like that. I, I remember it being okay, but also at the same time, I never went back to watch it. I got through it once back when it was like released 20 plus years ago. Uh, and I haven't been back since, interestingly enough. Yeah. So, I, I mean, let, let, why don't we just talk about the, the miniseries really quick? Yeah, then. let's talk about um, how what, what they did with that. So I, I had two observations that really stood out with the miniseries. Is that one, it kind of suffered a little bit from that 90s, really neat, like, as in clean sets of world building like and what i go back to is hercules like hercules and xena the tv series they were supposed to be ancient greece but you know how everyone was a little bit too clean yeah like the costumes were too clean they were too perfect um that's a little bit of the vibe i got like the sets were too clean in this that everything was too well put together almost like a stage production and then Mm -hmm. the actors themselves like half if not three-fourths of the actors gave me more of like they had come from stage production to do like the way they emoted and and their the way they spoke like the baron even fade uh the the Bene Gesserit leader they just felt more like stage actors than film actors not that they were bad but it's is definitely had more of that than a movie. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you if the miniseries, you definitely feel the made-for-TV nature of it. Like, you can see it in the backgrounds that are obviously green-screened. Uh, <laughs> you can see, you can kind of see it in the quality of the costuming. Even though, like, they let the costumer go nuts for this series. Yeah, Th- there's a whole array of costumes, and like I don't know if they just like let whoever was in charge of costuming at the entire wardrobe and just said, "Have fun, kid." <laughs> Because that, it, like those who can see the screen, that's the emperor in the background of that image that they just had up. The emperor yeah. of the universe wearing uh, bell sleeves that look like they're made out of fans. With with Good like times. gold a gold like shoulder piece and a kind of kimono looking thing. Like yeah, it's like some of the costumes in this are nuts, but it's also like great because it's like color and uh, like nothing's all samey and gray like we see in sometimes other movies. Every everyone, every group has their own very distinct style. Yes, which is great, and and I don't say those things to put it down. I think what they did in the details is really good. And it's like, you know, watching with my husband, he's like, the last twenty minutes, he's like, this goes really dark. Like people's heads are getting cut off. Like. Babies are getting killed. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, even though you've got these clean, neat sets and costuming, like the actual action is is pretty, there's so much collateral damage. And again, that goes back to, I think what Frank Herbert really wanted to show is that good, bad, when you start getting into these types of conflicts, they're everybody, everybody's getting shredded. 
I, yeah, it, I don't really, I didn't get that feel really. I, I think this is much more of a revenge tale. And uh, it's more along the lines of John Wick than it is uh, a cautionary tale. Ah, <laughs> uh, I just didn't, John Wick is a whole different thing. John but Wick is I, like I know it's a whole different thing, but it's kind of that feel of like these bad people have been doing their bad things for generations, and they finally fucked around, and this is where are they fucked around, and Paul Atreides is where they find out. <laughs> but but even in that, um, even if that's the case, you see a lot of the Fremen dying, and even just people in the cities, like the people in the main city on Dune who are just there living their life and they're caught in the crossfires, even though they choose to rise up too, a lot of them are getting killed and their buildings blown up. Well, it, it, it brings the reality of that. It's not, a, it's not the main focus of the story though. It's not, but they, but I think that's the point where they spend a lot of video on that. They show a lot of video of that in the last 20 minutes, like more than I remembered. Like they spend a lot of film shots and time on it. Well, that seems more like a directorial choice than like what the story was going for. Like, I think that was that, like that's not in the textual reading of Dune anywhere, and I, I I haven't picked it up to this point in the miniseries. Like th th to me, this is a Shakespearean kind of in nature. Oh yeah, no, and the way they played like, it on the TV miniseries is very Shakespearean. Like this is this is kind of Hamlet if it's not a tragedy. It's Hamlet coming back to uh, reclaim the throne and throw down all his enemies. Like it's it's kind of the classic coming of the or King Arthur Arthurian legend coming of the king kind of thing. Unless, but then uh, the next step you don't see when the series ends, but where the books continue is Paul through Paul's actions, he leads directly to the death of 60 billion people. Uh, I mean, me so part of that is, so if I'm, it's been a long time since I've read Messiah of Dune and children of Dune, but what Paul's trying to do throughout most or I, through those is his problem is he's seen the future and mm -hmm. he is in control of it to, or he can control events to some extent, but it's one of those where if you've got perfect control of the future, you're trying or a perfect vision of the future. You're always trying to weave that, uh, that vision into a better future. Mm -hmm. And for, if I'm remembering my readings of uh, Do Messiah of Do or Dune Messiah and Children of Dune, what he's trying to do, it like, and what he's been doing is like, the shit was always gonna get bad. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. that—that's the in the they're always talking about that space that the guild navigators and the. And the sister or the Bene Gesserit can't see behind. Yep. There's a right. wall they can't see past. That's the shit getting so fucking bad. That is kind of like the end of humanity because of the machinations of everyone coming together. They were always going to come together at Dune at this one point. 
and mm-hmm. that's where he's kind of kind of step in. He sees beyond it, and yep. like he's trying to get people out of it without everyone dying and the sixty billion uh, pe- dead people because of his fanatic followers was the less the the less evil choice. Yeah. Right. Because and and even that he couldn't fully like it he needed to go even further and he didn't have the stomach for it so his son had to take it even further. Right. So I mean like 60 billion people you know the lesser of two evils which is total extinction even that wasn't farther enough. Right. For what uh, was necessary for the calculations that he saw which is crazy which again you don't get into the movies but it's it's uh, definitely where you see that no matter what happens with Dune Part 2, they could really take this in a meaningful way with the themes uh, further. If they're allowed to do it the right way, hopefully, <laughs> in the film. If Dune is a cautionary story for anything, I think it's a religion. But Well, it's a bunch of different things. It's religion and politics and attempting to control and your responsibility to the environment. I mean... Dune is a very complex story, and I fucking love it. Like, the political machinations... Like, Duke Harkonnen is one of my favorite villains. He is (laughs) crafty. He is cunning. He is, like... And he's the sort of evil that is propelled entirely by personal gain. Yeah. And disconcern with the fate of others. And yet he's so passionate in how he hates and who he hates that he's just mm-hmm. a really interesting villain to watch. Like, Jenna, do you remember the like the vil- or the guy who played uh Harkonnen in the miniseries was really good, I thought. Yes. Like he's a good scene chewing villain. Like, do you remember uh at the end of the first part where uh, Leto gasses the room and he f- manages to escape and then he turns directly to camera to address the audience. Mm-hmm. That was so great. He just needed to be uglier in the, in the miniseries. I and that's that's. So. I think so. Like I like how grotesque he was in the 84 version and I like how environmentally um, sensitive in the newer version he is like because you can see the Harkonnen families are are more uh, impacted by their environment and their planet where they come from, which is cool. I mean that that's that is kind of cool, but also there I like the aesthetics of the of House Harkonnen in the second era in the miniseries because they are a fully they're a noble house. Like yes. they wouldn't look like gross mutants all the time. Like the Baron Harkonnen <laughs> would be would be able to be someone who would. Uh, potentially occupy the throne of emperor, or at least regard him as close, uh, be able to regard him or be regarded as close to a peer. Yep. Uh, they just like I could see normal Harkonnen society looking like that, but the Baron and uh, whatnot should be like the fancy nobility, and like I like that portrait. That's fair. I, I think you're right. They did do a better job in showing they are a noble house in the miniseries. I mean... He was still pretty gross. 
Like we, we see a lot more of his thighs than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> hey, that's yeah. to all the great Cheney side boob. You get hard. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Bill and Linda, I don't, I don't remember if you guys watched the miniseries at all, but you know, no. out of the past film and the new film, which is a two-parter, as we mentioned in the beginning, we're getting part two here soon. Yeah. Um, you know, what what did you like about the newer film? Um, was there anything that you missed out of the old film? Even though, granted, you know, we're not complete yet, but for the first half we did get. Yeah. You know, what, what did you like about it? <clears throat> well, um, I I like the fact that it was just seemed the world seemed to be more um real, um, more more well imagined and mm -hmm. uh you know, very well created. Uh, than the original movie. Um, I would have liked to have seen Patrick Stewart back in it, although maybe not in the role of Gurney Halleck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because uh, I love Patrick Stewart, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, uh, I, you know, it's really hard to compare a 1984 movie oh, to yeah, for a sure. 2023 it's movie. Visually because, or a graphical kind of perspective. Yeah, just because of the advances in technology. Yeah. But still, um, I, I thought, you know, the newer movie uh, just seemed to be more well-written, I think. And the, okay. the yep. characters, um, I like the characters better. The the actors that played the characters yeah. um, seemed to be a lot more into their roles, I guess, uh, more believable. Mm -hmm. um, and even uh, the Baron Harkonnen, I thought, oh. uh, I liked him better in... Um, the way he was realized and brought to life in the, in the new movie versus in the 1984 version. So yeah, um, yeah uh, definitely a hundred percent on the new one for me. Linda. Well, I mean, th that actor is a Skarsgård and that whole oh, thing. Yeah. Crazy good actors. Uh, yeah. So yeah. he just does a really good imposing, like manipulative, Brilliant, right? Evil <laughs> yeah, that's why yeah. I like the Baron Harkonnen. He's good. Like, like he had a plan that was gonna work right up until, uh oh, none of oh. these Atreides are dead. <laughs> <laughs> right, and one of them became a god. And uh, oops, <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, it's spoiler alert. It's his own grandson. <laughs> It's Dune. We, there's no spoiler alerts on this. Like yeah. when the book is thirty years old. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> years old, they've done multiple cinematic. Like mm -hmm. there's no like. Yeah. Yeah, I we're mean, just getting uh, updated retellings of, you know, the, the first book, and, and hopefully in the future we start to see more because there's plenty to work with. This is no different than you know what people want from, you know, maybe. Uh, Game of Thrones, I'd still rank Dune above that, like like you would, Seth. Um, but the material there, the lore that's there, uh, you could do a lot with. And so if care is taken with it, you can build out another miniseries and or expansion of what they've already done, you know, or another film based off a certain point in time um, on any of that. So Like, you could do the Butlerian Jihad, and I would love to watch that, the war against the machines. Yeah. Like, yeah, the reason that they have Mentats instead of computers, human machines, is because they 
fucking destroyed all the all any thinking machine and it's an interesting bit in the I think uh, something I'm looking for now in the new series or in uh, Dune Part Two and rewatching Dune One is like how they do their entertainment in the in the miniseries. I thought it was really telling that you never really saw anyone watching like TV or anything like that. All the entertainment in the miniseries was like done with puppets and live music and plays because computers are fucking outlawed. Hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's those little things like that that you don't necessarily get in any of the films. But again, they they, they have to compress all that, right? They have to make it all fit in those mm-hmm. little details. But on that point, it's like, yeah, if, if someone was to really ask or think about that, yeah, like we could do a whole film on the rise and fall of machines in in the Dune, the Dune. world. Yeah. yeah. yeah something... and... Go ahead, Go ahead Seth. Nope, go ahead, Seth. <laughs> Yeah, so some, something else that the Dune miniseries did uh, that uh, the 1984 film didn't, and why one of the reasons why they extended it out to three parts is because they were also telling the story of another major character of Princess Irulan and mm-hmm. kind of giving her part of the story a lot more breathing room. And she, like Which in the actual... Hmm? Which was great. I, yeah. I really appreciated that more now at this point than when I first saw the sci-fi series. Yeah, and I can't remember if that was a part of the actual books or if that was something that they uh, that the adaptation took upon itself. I need to reread Dune. I really do. Uh, but yeah, Princess Irulan was very important in the miniseries one as she's one like one of the power another person who you see start off kind of as a child in the beginning uh having to deal with their uh with learning how to do just like be treated like a child and grow into a full adult who eventually just like seizes control of the galaxy it like her role in this was pretty cool i i just think that People are more intelligent. Audiences are more intelligent than Hollywood often gives credit and the popularity of Dune and its lasting power and the popularity of Game of Thrones and its lasting power. It it really illustrates that that you can't like you should have your fun, mindless in action movies or sci fi movies. And that's great. But really, Hollywood should take the chance more on the intelligent, big budget films. Mm-hmm. And and not just a little bit, but like go go all in, and those would appear to become the classics mm-hmm. that we continue to watch and remake. How many of you are watching the uh, Foundation series on Apple? I don't have Apple. Oh, I Otherwise, do. I, I don't have Apple. I'm okay. loving Foundation. Yeah, how I I mean I know it's it's kind of a different uh, different media because we're talking about the Dune, the current Dune film is what I'm kind of referencing here as uh, contrasted to the foundation series, which is on Apple. Um, what do you think? How would you compare the two of them? Uh, Chris? So foundation similarly to Dune is something that spans largely across time, thousands right. of years or what have you. So yeah. um, 
it, again, it's one of those things that's hard to bring justice to the screen from what the books cover. Yeah. Um, and I haven't, I haven't gone through um, a lot of the books. I just know of them and kind of what they're supposed to cover um, broadly. Um, but I do like the, the, the series that they've put out so far and where things kind of start to intertwine. I would say that foundation is harder to sometimes the series is sometimes harder to follow because they do maybe a little bit of a better job of adhering to some of that lore uh, that's in there and, and grasping that and building out that complex uh, universe. So in that, mm -hmm. I hope they don't lose track of that as they build out that series and, and continue with additional seasons because it, it does play out well, I think, when you, when you get to some kind of end. Uh, yeah. You feel more fulfilled over it versus, oh, I wish they'd talk about this or cover that. Foundation seems to do a pretty good job of trying to cover as much as possible. But in doing that, it can also get dry at sometimes, you know, in some of the areas. So you got to really commit on foundation, but it, I found that it's been worth it so far. So, um, yeah, and I'm kind of, um, I guess, specifically thinking about the, the visual aspects of it yeah. and how well realized both both worlds are. And I think uh, in both cases, they've just done a fantastic job with it. I mean, the, the, the visuals in, in the foundation series are just spectacular. I mean, and I think um, it speaks to how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Technologies. And, 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 you know, we saw this with um, uh, the Mandalorian, you know, Disney yep. built a whole stage thing where they can basically use one area over and over. And they have, yeah, wall of this ultra high definition video they can place them wherever they need to be mm -hmm. make their set scopes just crazy insane and you know other people are coming up with similar types of technology for that and the world building is just basically there's no excuse today yes if you have a budget to not have a really well built world especially right. when you already have the content and the lore available to you in the, in the book series that a lot of these things are being derived from. There's no excuse anymore yeah. um, to, to just not get it right. Yeah. And I think, I really think that Hollywood and directors and screenwriters need to start trusting the authors a bit more. I agree with that. Yeah. Like stick closer to the book. It just, it just like the author knew what they were doing. Yeah. Stick they, closer to what they had. Yeah, they they strayed quite a bit from the books in the Foundation series on Apple, and the main reason for that was uh, they didn't um, believe that audiences would be able to stay vested in characters that ended up dying off every yeah. couple of weeks, because this this takes place over a, the thousand year time span of this empire, and uh, you know so obviously characters are going to live 80 years or whatever right and and you're not going to see their whole lifespan you'll see just a portion of it so you'd constantly have characters coming and going and then trying to get the 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 audience to buy into a whole new string of characters and and uh kind of a uh change in the uh uh structure of the story as it goes along yeah. because the universe is failing and different factions are rising and others are disappearing into the dust right and uh, so they they figured they needed to have some way to provide that continuity in this long long yeah. story for the audience to be able to have characters that they can identify with and i you know um 
I have to say credit to the uh, the writers and the way the the um, method that they came up with of doing this. One was with the the emperor, where you mm-hmm. know he's basically a cloned, and yep. you have the uh, uh, brother dawn, brother day, brother dusk, right? And so there's always three of them. And so no matter where you go in the future, you've got those same three at different ages, different times in their lifespan that are sitting on the throne. And then you've got different characters like Harry Seldon that's kind of become like a, a digital artifact of himself, um, right? And then you've got um, Gail Dornick that, you know, she constantly ends up having to go from place to place and and she doesn't have the the advantage of getting on these light ships to go there. She has to get into a stasis pod and go into suspended animation for 20 some years to get from point a to point b so uh i think they did a pretty good job with that and so i you know to me um the the creativity and the storytelling and the way the world's realized and the acting um is on par with dune and uh, mm-hmm. I love both of them. I'm really looking forward to the sequel coming out here. At, uh, actually, it starts airing here in Omaha on Thursday at IMAX. Oh, so, yeah. so we had to put this out on Wednesday, <laughs> this episode or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that on, on um, Foundation. And, and like I said, they had plenty of lore to work with to kind of build out a world and, and to, you know, to your point, credit to the writers to being able yeah. to just take it and make something that was more or less believable that would string all that together because they had so much to, to work with over yeah. you know, a thousand years. So, yeah. Uh, and, and Dune is, is similar and, and, but to, you know, to Seth's point um, as well, you know, if you have a, a concrete story, I've seen where Hollywood is, is messed it up or somebody's brought a, a mini series to the, to the screen based off a book and they completely rewrite some aspects. Uh, probably. Yeah, the, the personal tragedy for me was um, a book from uh, uh, Terry Goodkind, the Sword of Truth series that they brought to um, uh, television and they rewrote, I mean, some key character aspects like Dark and Raw, the main villain in it being um, Richard Rawls, the main uh, character in it uh, being his, uh, uh, I think they made it his brother in, in the books, it was his father, which was a pretty significant change in how you do it. Now, mm-hmm. I, I get taking liberties with some things and you're building out a miniseries, but to kind of kill the potential of what that world was and in the significance of other characters and who they were uh, by changing something like, like, why change something that's that trivial? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, you know, they should have stuck with the writer at that point. And what was even more kind of irritating and, you know, um, he's, uh, Terry Goodkind has... Uh, long since passed, I think a few years now. Um, but uh, he was involved in the project and that was kind of mind, mind boggling um, that you actually had the writer, the, the author involved in, in the filmmaking and mm. then still kind of get his sign off on it was a little bit interesting. And it was like I how had... involved and how much of a sign off was like. Yeah, yeah. And so if, if um, you know, if I had made it to one of his uh, book signings or something, one of the things I would have asked him flat out was like, how did you let that atrocity come to be? Now, I, I if you go into it, mind you, without any knowledge of the books, um, without having read them, it's a decent it's a decent story for what it is. They built it to be kind of like your your Xena and Hercules uh, type series and. You know, those went on for a few years and, and you know, I guess were generally well liked. 
uh, and that's kind of what they were shooting for, and they had that look and feel, and I thought that was great. Um, you know, ultimately they ended up canning it, and uh, you know, it's still just it's mind-boggling that that to that extent that it got that warped, and I hate it when I see that. So, yeah. you know, there's give or take. There's there's sticking to the lore. There's uh, and sticking to what the writers did. There's just completely rewriting it, but being in the essence or the the feel of the world, you know, and then there's, yeah. um, you know, what we what we've been working with between Foundation and, and Dune and, and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to Dune Part Two. By the way, I loved the yeah. first. Oh I yeah, think, I think all of us here did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, you guys I, all planning to see it this weekend? Uh, yes. Probably not. For me, just because of work reasons, but uh, busy. Yeah, I think Lynn and I might go see it on Thursday. You get. 10% off at the IMAX if you go to like a early afternoon show. And since, you know, we've got nothing else to do. <laughs> Linda, let's go. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So uh, we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, well, uh, thanks for tuning in to the show and uh, let us know what you think in the comments. Uh, if you have a particular fondness for uh, the original 1984 movie or the, uh, the series that uh, came out, or um, if uh, there's something about the particular movies that are out now, uh, uh, part one or part two, uh, you have maybe a bone to pick um, <laughs> them, or you're really excited about them, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. And uh, Seth will get on there and argue with you. <laughs> was, was I arguing so much today? No, not at all. But I mean, you like to, you know, take the, take the, uh, uh, you're very opinionated. So if somebody, yeah. <laughs> so if somebody, somebody comes out and says they hate Dune, we'll put Seth on it because he's like a dog with a bone. <laughs> no, I just stab him with a Chris knife and move on, as my savior has taught me. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, folks. We'll Long live the fighters. <laughs> Seth would have been a great Freeman. Freeman. Fremen. I don't know why I always say Freeman. I always do. Probably always will. Fremen. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next time. <laughs> See y'all. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now... Please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.